What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Report's college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller, sitting in Atlanta for one more show. Mello is holding it down in the Joplin office. Has the polar vortex hit Joplin, Mello? It, so it did. Yesterday, we definitely got it. I think the temperatures dropped to like seven degrees, so I'm, I'm not going to complain. I know we have a lot of listeners in the Minnesota area that are dealing with like negative 50 on the wind chill. And today we got all the way up to 48 degrees. So I, I think we're all right here in Missouri. Yeah, you can't complain about that. <laughs> can't complain. It's uh, it's warmed up in Atlanta. I, I've i been in the south a lot, as you know, and it's like uh, it's different down here. It got kind of cold and like didn't snow and people like shut things down like the airport, like stop accepting flights and like people are getting stranded places and there was no precipitation. So uh, it's a little different. I'm hoping that. Uh, as people are listening to this Friday, I'm hopefully on my way home uh, because I, I miss my bed. And uh, I guess, I, I mean, you guys as well. So. I, I love that the bed is what takes priority. <laughs> like your mind immediately goes there. Like, man, I got a pretty sweet bed I'd like to get back to. Uh, we have a good show tonight, though, dude. We have Nasir Adderley stopping by. He and I got a chance to talk one on one. He's a player that uh, we both liked a lot. Think maybe he could be a first round pick. We have a hell of a lot of news to get through. My goodness, so much is heating up around the draft right now. And also, it's Super Bowl week. We're going to do our top five Super Bowl careers. So not individual moments, but guys who had the best Super Bowl careers. This is going to be basically my two favorite teams, just a top five of them. Yeah, I'm going to try to sprinkle in some Cowboys every once in a while just to uh, really just try to piss you off and see what you think about that. I know you hate the Cowboys, but you're right. There are going to be some 49ers in here for sure. And I don't know, maybe Tom Brady makes our list. I have a feeling Tom Brady and Jerry Rice, my two all-time favorite players, are going to go very early in this one. And of course, guys, we're going to answer your draft on draft questions. Thank you for sending those in. Uh, Mello, let's remind people one more time. We actually have two meetups coming up now, and we're going to be releasing links very soon where you guys can actually order free tickets. We're not going to charge you anything. It's going to be a free ticket. You show your ticket at these events, and you get a free koozie. One is going to be in Indianapolis. It's going to be March 2nd during the Combine at 2D Brewing Company. We were there last year. They have a great setup. They have fantastic beer. I'm very excited to be there. And then in Nashville, we want you guys to come on spring break with us. We're going to be at Honey Fire Barbecue Thursday, uh, March 14th, 7 o'clock. They have a patio We're going to be that holds like 70 people. We're going to be outside, weather permitted. Uh, they also have 160 whiskeys in-house. So I'm very excited to check that place out. I mean, I honestly didn't even know that there were 160 different whiskeys. <laughs> so I guess I'll just have to try them all when we get there. There we go. It's Nashville at spring break. You could try them all. Let's get to the news of the week, though, man. And I have some reports to drop on you. I'm excited to get your feedback on these. Uh, as you know, when I go out on the road like this, there are no scouts at the Super Bowl that I can like hang out with and drink and get rumors from. But they're all at home bored right now because the media is not bothering them. All the media comes to Atlanta. So they're like sitting there quietly with nothing to do. More times than not, I end up texting or talking with them. One of the biggest things that I heard this week was that teams in the top 10 are very excited about Kyler Murray at quarterback. Even some teams in the top 10 or 15 that have a quarterback situation, maybe the, like the Oakland Raiders, that's not a team that was mentioned to me. That's Those are my words. But a team like Oakland, maybe Cincinnati at 11 with Andy Dalton, where you kind of got stuck in that, like we got a good quarterback, but not a great one. Some of those teams are going to join the mix as far as looking for a quarterback. And Kyler Murray is a name that everyone is very excited about right now. I mean, and I think they should be. I mean, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. We've seen what he can do on the field, and it 
It was very good. It's hard for me to say that as a, a Texas guy, but you can't deny it. What he was able to do on the football field was very impressive. And if he does decide to play football, I think a lot of teams are going to be interested at the top of the board. You mentioned like the Bengals. There are a lot of teams that need a quarterback because they just can't get over the hump. And if you can't get over the hump, that's, I think, the position you really need to look at first. Do we have a quarterback that can take us into the playoffs and maybe lead us to a Super Bowl? Yeah, and I think that is where you get stuck. And adding on to that, I heard he's a lock to go early. Kyler Murray's a lock to go early. We've, we've thought this for really since he decided to declare for the NFL draft. Here's the comparison that most teams are coming up with for him. It's Russell Wilson. And maybe this is like hokey because they both play baseball. They're both a little bit shorter but I actually like this comparison to Russell Wilson because they do match up athletically. I don't know that Murray has the arm that Russ has. Russell Wilson has one of the strongest arms in the NFL, but that type of athleticism, the arm talent, and then the ability to make plays from the pocket as a shorter guy. I know some people would want to say Drew Brees or Doug Flutie or Johnny Manziel, but Russell Wilson's the comparison the NFL teams are rolling with. And I agree with it, too. I mean, that's you look at Baker Mayfield last year. I think him and Kyler are very similar in the way that they play. And that matches up with what Russell Wilson's able to do in the NFL. The NFL is different. Uh, Ten years ago, you wanted a guy that was going to stand back there in a clean pocket uh, with his chest held high, throwing the ball with a certain motion. And it's changed. The game has evolved, and now you can spread it out a little bit more. Your quarterbacks can be mobile, and that's why we see guys like Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray doing their thing. So I like that comp a lot better than I have heard, like, um, you know, Kyler Murray, or you're right, like Drew Brees, all these other guys. Just because they're short doesn't exactly mean that. I look at that comparisons because it's more of a, a style of play. The athleticism, the able to get out of the pocket, not just looking at the fact that the guy's five foot eight and Russell Wilson's like five eleven. There's a lot of similarities to their game that's not just based on that height factor. Yeah, and I was going to ask you. I know that we're getting to that uh, time of year where we have to put rankings together. You and I are working together with Jared Brown on the Draft 400 series, where we are going to put grades and rankings and scouting reports on 400 guys. As of right now, what we've seen through the Senior Bowl process. How would you stack the four quarterbacks that we think could go round one? I mean, you have so Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, and Daniel Jones. And you could throw your guy Jarrett Stidham in there if you want. How are you stacking those quarterbacks? As of right now, um, I'm, I'm not as big of a Haskins supporter as everyone else. And it might come as a big shock, but I would honestly probably have Kyler Murray number one. Uh, if you can just overlook the fact, I think the only thing holding him back right now is his height. If he were six foot one, I think he would be the first pick in the draft. I think the Cardinals would even pull the trigger and maybe move on from Rosen. So for me right now, I would probably have Kyler Murray number one. And then by default, I'm giving Haskins number two. Uh, that number two comes with, I don't know, a little bit of grain of salt though, because I don't, I'm not going to tie my horse to him. I don't like him as much as other people do. I probably wouldn't draft a quarterback in this class, but if I'm there and I'm stuck and my GM says I have to, then I would take Haskins second. And then uh, Drew Locke would be third. Might come as a surprise, too, because <laughs> we've had some not nice things to say about Drew Locke. But in this quarterback class, I think he has enough tools that you could find something that you like, just like John Elway's doing. And then fourth, Daniel Jones. I just haven't been impressed by him yet. He could prove me wrong, and I hope he does. This isn't my bias of me attacking Daniel Jones and saying he's going to be a shitty quarterback. Just for me and what I've seen so far, I haven't been impressed by him. Doesn't mean I don't like the guy. Yeah, and I actually said that to uh, a scout, a high-level scout, not just like an area dude this week. I said, you know, 
I don't, I didn't see it with Daniel Jones. I watched every throw he made in practice. I was locked in on the dude and I walked away unimpressed. And he said, you know, I saw the same thing, Matt, but there are teams that believe that he's the best quarterback in this class. So it's like a beauties in the eye of the beholder thing. And I'll roll right into that next bit of news, man, is that teams right now, and it's early because the free agent plan is still coming together, but teams believe that there are going to be a lot of trades in the, the first round of this draft, maybe a record number because the view on the players is so different. Like how you and I might rank the quarterbacks. Well, it is different how you and I would that difference of opinion means that we could see a lot of trades up the board where if, if a Kyler Murray falls, if Daniel Jones falls, if drew lock is there for John Elway, we could see some teams get aggressive and move up this year. Oh, and I, I definitely think we will. And I think we're also going to see some teams really going out of their way and offering their picks. You look at Connor's team, the Jets, your 49ers. We talk about it all the time, how they are two teams who are going to be candidates to move back in the draft, try to get themselves some more picks. And people are going to want to move up to get a quarterback. Even if I don't love the quarterbacks in this class, even if GMs and scouts don't love the quarterbacks in this class, there are going to be, I would say, four taken in the first round. It just happens every year. And if you want to get one of those quarterbacks, you better get your ass to the top of the draft because that's where these guys are going to go. It, it reminds me of last year when we were talking about quarterbacks in late January, early February. And, and then we were just like, you know what? Five are going to go in the first round. They might not. Maybe we don't think they should, but they're going to. And it was like, I just resigned myself at one point. It was like, I'm just going to put five in my mock drafts because it's going to happen. And I, I feel like it's that way this year with at least four of them. Uh, one of our favorite players in this draft, Jonah Williams from Alabama. Uh, another conversation I had this week. I happen to think Jonah Williams could play tackle in the NFL. I also think Dalton Reisner could play tackle in the NFL. But more and more I'm hearing from scouts, both guys should actually be graded as interior players. One like adamantly told me, like slam the table is like just rank Reisner at center. That's where he's going to play. That's where he's going to be best. And Jonah Williams, people are saying could be not Quentin Nelson, obviously, but like a Zach Martin type player at the guard position. I know that you are coming at this. Like, you don't have the eight years of, you know, scouting terms being bashed into your head. Like I do. Does, does arm length matter as much as a lot? Like I live in a world where people tell me every day, arm length matters, arm length matters. You have to be, you know, 33 inch long. We saw it last year with Connor Williams at Texas. I don't see the big deal. If you have 32 and a half inch arms, if your feet are good enough, where do you come in on this thing? Oh, exactly. In the same spot. Like we see it all the time. You talk about edge rushers and how they want them to be like six foot five. Well, who gives a shit if they can bend the corner and play with good leverage? I, we've always said in football, the low man wins. Like, get lower. That's where your leverage is. But then when it comes draft time, we always say, oh, a guy's got to be six foot five to play tackle. He's got to have 34-inch arms. And I just, I don't get it. I look at Jonah Williams, and I think he's a very good tackle prospect. I think he's one of the best tackle prospects we've seen in a very long time. And for some reason, the NFL is not happy with that. And they're going to say, no, let's view this guy as a guard. Maybe they're valuing the guard and center position more uh, anymore because interior pressure and some of these guys we have coming up. But I just think if you can move your feet, you can get in front of a guy and you can stop him from getting around the edge. What's it matter how long his arms are? That It reminds me of the arguments about quarterbacks and the angle uh, with arms. Who cares anymore? If the ball's getting to that point, let them throw it. However they want to. Phillip Rivers yeah. has been in the league for a million years and he throws the ball from his fucking chest. Who cares how long these guys' arms are? I just, it doesn't make sense to me. No, I, I'm actually with you on that. I, and I now know that a lot of quarterbacks coaches will say, like, you don't change a guy's motion. Like, try to change his feet. Like we saw with Josh Allen last year. Like, hey, don't mess with his motion. Just 
try to clean up his feet, go from there. And uh, that has become the North Sam Darnold. Like no one messed with that dude's motion and it's weird as hell. And he still wins football games on a bad football team. So uh, I'm with you. I, I happen to think that if they would just try Jonah Williams at left tackle, he would be fine. And guess what? If it doesn't work there. Okay. Move him inside. If you have to, I like him at tackle more news. And this came as we, you and I record Thursday nights, this kind of news, uh, we expected it, but it came out today officially the NFL scouting combine will not invite and will not allow Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi state and Preston Williams from uh, Colorado state to attend the combine. They won't do it. The NFL passed a rule a couple of years ago that if you have an arrest for uh, domestic violence or assault uh, against a woman in your background, you will not be invited to the combine. And there's, there's a couple other qualifiers too, but for both these players who have uh, a, a violence charge in their background, they won't be there. I think it's notable more for Jeffrey Simmons because we project him as a top 15 pick than it is for Preston Williams. But, and I know like there's, I don't know if there's a right answer on this. There are people who are upset because, Hey, these guys should get a chance to go be interviewed. Like the the combines about evaluation and you're, you're going to let them play in the NFL, but you're not going to let them be interviewed and maybe help themselves. It's kind of a catch 22 because the combine's a TV show now, and, and you don't want guys like this where you have to get Daniel Jeremiah and Charles Davis explaining when Jeffrey Simmons does his three cone drill that, oh, yeah, there's a video of him punching a woman in the face. Obviously, you don't want that. Joe Mixon wasn't invited to the combine. So it's news and it's notable, but I, I don't know what we add to this conversation, honestly. It, it's, it's really going to hurt his stock. You're talking about him being a potential top 15 guy. Like, this might slide him into round two. We saw it with Joe Mixon, who had first-round talent, looked like a very good running back. Obviously, I think his was a little bit more notable. Uh, people knew about it. It was maybe even a little worse, but it hurt him, and it, it slid him into the second round when he was a great running back prospect. But you're exactly right with, oh, you can you can come play for us in the NFL. That's fine. You just can't come to the combine. That It makes no sense at all to me. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I understand. Stand it, but I don't like necessarily agree with it. And the idea is that it's a deterrent. You know that if you're a college player, it this will deter you from getting in trouble because hey, if you get in trouble, you're not going to be able to the combine. But with Jeffrey Simmons, at least this was before he played in college. He had already signed at Mississippi State. But and and I I said this on Twitter, and I'll say it again on here. I know a lot of people at Mississippi State, and they swear that this kid has been a model citizen for the last three years. He's not gotten into any trouble. He's worked with like leadership people. He's matured. He's you know admitted that hey, like his I believe it was his sister was getting beat up by another woman. He stepped in, and it was like hey, this is how I was raised to protect my family. Not saying that makes it okay. Obviously, a a guy should never touch a woman, but you know where he. Where he came from, he thought that, hey, I'm supposed to protect my family. This is what I'm doing. So I've heard great things about him. Uh, Obviously, he hasn't been in trouble, which would be a big part of that. But it is something to watch. Like you said, we all thought Joe Mixon on talent was a top 15 player, but the off-field pushed him into round two. And and I I remember reporting only four teams had Joe Mixon on their draft board. Most teams had taken him off there completely. So we talked uh, this week about Kareem Hunt not being a fit for some teams because their stance on uh, domestic assault. I think it's be the same thing with both these players where like uh, the jets where the team, the report came out They're They're not going to tolerate something like this from these players. If they're not from cream hunt. And I'm all about second chances. I won't, I won't make an excuse for what any of these guys have ever done. Uh, but I do think that Jeffrey Simmons deserves a, a chance to prove that he is uh, not the person that we saw in a 15 second video. Everybody makes mistake. Uh, it sucks for him that he did it, but 
that it got caught on video. I'm I'm sure there are a ton of players playing in college football right now who have done worse things. It just didn't get out. So it, it does suck for him. And hopefully he's recovered and he is the prospect that everybody says he is. Yeah. All right. Last bit of news. This one touches close to home. The University of Missouri got slammed, like choke slammed by the NCAA on Thursday. A bowl ban, a loss of scholarships. They got to pay fines that are like 1% of the budget. It's big. Mizzou got just straight slapped by the NCAA. And I know the first reaction for people was, what will Kelly Bryant do? Sounds like he's going to stay at Mizzou. But this is like up there with some of the biggest, I mean, I guess USC having to, you know, Reggie Bush give back the trophy and they had to erase all the wins that they had with him there. But this might be the biggest suspension since then. It's going to be very hard for them to come back from, too. Uh, If you are a senior on this Mizzou team, you just got an open door to walk out. Because of the rule and the way that it's set up, if the bowl ban goes throughout your entire career, the remainder of your career, you can transfer without penalty. And this is why a lot of people were talking about Kelly Bryant uh, at the very beginning of this thing earlier today on Thursday, that he might transfer. The Kansas City star comes out and says he's going to stay put, but any other senior on that team, this bull band goes through next year, they can walk even if they're not a grad transfer, and they can go somewhere else, and that might hurt Mizzou. If you don't get to play in a bowl game, I if I were Kelly Bryant, I, I probably would have looked at a team like Auburn, and I even tweeted it out. I think that would have been a better fit for him, but I guess he's going to stay put. Yeah, and I had some Mississippi State people uh, like, hey, he should have come to Starkville. And like you said, he should have gone to Auburn. People at North Carolina are like, hey, you should have come here. So it is tough. I also, I had someone tweet me, and I have to mention this because it was so funny. They were like, did he, did Kelly Bryant really think Mizzou was going to make a bowl anyway? Oh, so, uh, like, yeah, right? Like, oh, damn. Ouch. Get, get slapped by Twitter and the NCAA all in one day. It makes it for a great day. Man, I'll tell you what happened is dude's already on campus, right? And if you've ever been up to the campus in Columbia, Missouri, not, that would be a very hard place to leave. If, if for oh, it's a, beautiful. A, a football player, a guy, you're living a dream up there in Columbia. I Say what you want about their football history. Uh, some might even say it's a basketball school, but that, that campus is nice. And their uh, student population is not too bad either. All right, guys, we have a special top five. It is Super Bowl week. Or can we say Super Bowl or do we have to say big game? Uh, I would go Super Bowl. I don't like big game. That sounds more college to me. Yeah, right? Yeah, I think we have to. Do people I, you know, say it's like a game? legal thing. Yeah, it's a legal thing. Like if you don't have, you'll see on like Facebook, like Pizza Hut will do like big game special. And stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, so super, I think we're okay. Probably. I mean, if the NFL is going to come at us for something like that, then let I have them. a real plastic credential. I didn't print one off. It's real. <laughs> so I think I'm okay. Uh, we do have a special top five, top five Super Bowl careers ever. But before we get into that, Mello, let's, let's put it on the line. We pick games all year long. You beat me by one game. This one will not count, even though maybe it should. Who is your pick for Super Bowl 53? Uh, so I've changed this up a little bit, and I've always kind of decided, like, who am I rooting for and who do I think is going to win because those don't always match up who I'm rooting for is definitely going to be the Los Angeles Rams I really want to see what they can do I really am just looking for someone to dethrone the Patriots but I don't think it's going to happen and I actually I will go as far as to say I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon Tom Brady seems like he's still ready to play another four or five years and as long as he's there I'm probably just going to go ahead and bet on them to win the Super Bowl from here on out. 
That's what I've been doing, and I'll tell you, I've been right a lot. So uh, I'm I'm not changing my pick. I picked them to win it before the year. I'm going to pick them to win it right now. Um, I, I think they win. I I've said uh, a lot this week on radio. I'm very excited for the chess match between Sean McVay and Bill Belichick, and also Wade Phillips and Josh McDaniels to some extent. But watching to see what Belichick schemes up to stop the Rams offense is very exciting to me. I I, I mean, I'll never forget watching them stop the Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk Rams offense. And you know, I, I can remember them stopping Thurman Thomas and Jim Kelly. So I'm excited to see what Bill Belichick can do. He, I mean, he's the greatest coach I've ever seen. And I think, and we might have to talk about this uh, next week, I think Tom Brady enters Michael Jordan territory if they win this one. Man, I think he's already passed it. Okay, there you go. It, like, if you're just in looking at what they've done in their sport, obviously Michael Jordan has a lot going for him because he has a whole brand that has just taken off and everywhere. Uh, but if I had to label a guy as, like, the best athlete of all time, I would put Tom Brady, like, over Michael Jordan. Though I, I'm just like, I'm surprised to hear you say this noted Tom Brady hater, uh, <laughs> Tom Brady hater. Like, yes, I don't like him. I really respect his game though. And I've kind of come around on him the last couple of years. I, I respect him more. I used to be a big Peyton Manning guy when that argument was kind of going on as far as who I liked more, which is different. Please don't come at me on Twitter and say, <laughs> I ever thought Peyton Manning was like better. I get it. Tom Brady is the goat. And if, you were just talking about what they've done for football and basketball. Tom Brady has been doing it for forever. And there are so many teams that just don't even have Super Bowls because of what he's done. We've never seen anything like it. With Jordan, there's other guys that have kind of done it. I think even LeBron's in the argument. He's not the GOAT, but he's in the argument for it. With Tom Brady, I don't even know if you can put Montana in that argument. I don't think you can. So this goes perfectly into our top five Super Bowl careers. I am coinless in Atlanta, so I have to trust you to not rig this. And did you see, by the way, that uh, Matthew Slater for the Patriots always picks heads when they do the coin toss? He's the he's the captain that calls the coin toss, and he's right like a, an insane amount of times. And it's because he picks heads, which is your side. I always pick tails, which I feel like I'm doing better than you on, on the stick to football coin toss. I don't know, man. I really I think that there I did like a seventh grade science fair project, or one of my friends did. And they proved that heads actually wins more. I could totally be making that up. <laughs> but I, I've got our fancy Idaho quarter here. Um, and it is Tails. I'll let you have this. See? <laughs> Tails never fails. Okay, so top five Super Bowl careers. I'm obviously going with the guy who's playing in his ninth in just a few days. I'm going with Tom Brady. Uh, not only has he had, you know, great moments, he, he all the MVPs that he's won, to make it to nine Super Bowls, to win five. He's got a chance to win six in this coming Sunday. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, you can run through all the greats. Brady, like you just said, he is the greatest thing that's ever happened to the National Football League. If you're talking best Super Bowl careers, there's really no one else that you could debate is the top. Now, where you come in is where it's hard because I think there are a lot of guys that would be in the running for, for this spot as number two. There are a lot of guys, but I'm going to take the, I think, the one that most people would have at second. I am going to take Joe Montana, and obviously Jerry Rice is up there too, and I'm sure he's going to be the next guy off the board here. But Joe Montana has three Super Bowl MVPs, uh, has 13 touchdowns in the Super Bowl. If you're just looking at numbers, those are the only guys that really even compare 
what Montana did, and I am not his biggest supporter, uh, was very special. And for the longest time, everybody said he was the greatest of all time until a little guy named Tom Brady came around. So I am going to take Joe Montana, number two overall, since you stole Brady. And I am Montana's probably biggest supporter. I mean, I had like stars in my eyes when he came on the podcast. I think one of the coolest things about Montana, he went four now, obviously. And like you said, was named MVP three times. He didn't throw an interception in the Super Bowl, which is crazy to me. Like to play in four and not throw an interception is just unreal. I've I've said on the show before, one of my earliest memories is is watching uh, Joe Montana and the Niners, you know, win a Super Bowl and and to win it 55-10 over the Denver Broncos and become a fan of that team because I'm five years old and I'm watching this game. So I love that you put Montana on there, but you're right. I'm putting Jerry Rice, uh, who is no longer the GOAT, by the way, because it is Tom Brady. He owns basically every Super Bowl record you can come up with for a receiver. Uh, most catches, most receiving yards, most touchdowns. Uh, he won oh, five with four with the Niners, I believe, and made it to one with the Raiders. Yeah. So not only his longevity, but uh, he has a single game record of 215 yards, uh, was MVP in that 55-10 beat down to the Broncos. And then when, when he and Steve Young teamed up, and that's my favorite football team ever, the 94 Niners, uh, when they teamed up, and beat just the shit out of the San Diego Chargers. Like that is, people will ask you, like, what's one of your favorite sports memories uh, as a kid? And for me, that that is my favorite memory as a kid is is being old enough to appreciate that '94 team. Now, I was I was ten years old, so it, like in my prime of being a football fan, and to watch Jerry Rice was just something crazy. I, I, if you weren't a 49ers fan, that had to be probably the most boring Super Bowl of all time. Because after <laughs> yeah. like the first quarter, I don't even think it was anything exciting. Obviously, watching that game as a very young child with you, who was a huge 49ers fan, it was exciting for us to watch. Uh, but I think just everybody else watching that game had to have it just as one of the worst experiences, unless you're a Niners fan. But a lot of people listening to this show are 49ers fans. <laughs> But I got to put some Cowboys on here because that was a team that I rooted for when I was very young. Uh, Emmett Smith holds the record for most rushing touchdowns in a Super Bowl. He has five, did three of them in one game. Really carried that whole Cowboys team. I know they had a great defense. They had a great offensive line, but it really centered around Emmett Smith. And he's not the best running back of all time, but he does have the most yards all time. What he was able to do in the Super Bowl, I think we got to put him on the list here. And after we get rid of Tom Brady and the two 49ers, for me, it's Emmitt Smith. I love that. That would be my pick. It's so weird to hear like someone say Emmitt because I automatically think of my son, who is not named after Emmitt Smith. Just what? want to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a family name on his mother's side. It was not me. This is where I think the list gets hard. And I don't want to be the homer who just picks Niners and Patriots. So I'm going to stay away from Steve Young and Adam Vinatieri for now. But I could come back to them. I'm actually going to pull a surprise here. I'm going to put Terrell Davis next on the list. And maybe okay. this is just because of like being you know, old enough to watch them play. But his two performances, the man got John Elway two Super Bowls. Let's be honest about it. And he did one of them with a fucking migraine. I've had one migraine in my life, and all I did was like shit my pants and cry. He <laughs> played football, and he would get the migraines where you go blind. And he had to yes, run a play action see. at the line of scrimmage. It's unreal. So it not only was he Super Bowl MVP and Super Bowl 32, uh, man, but uh, 
amazing performances over those two years. It's unfortunate that his career got cut short by injury, but one of the best running backs I've ever seen. And like he made it qu- kind of cool to be a Broncos fan you know, back in that late 90s. Yeah, with the mile-high salute, everything he did, being like a sixth-round pick, getting his moment on special teams. I love the Terrell Davis pick. I love pick. that. And I'm so glad that you didn't give it to John Elway because if we are just talking about Super Bowls, <laughs> Terrell Davis is the whole reason John Elway has a Super Bowl win. That dude went 0-3 before Terrell Davis got there, and he carried that team. My One of my favorite moments from NFL films is when Terrell Davis is on the sideline with a migraine, and Mike Shanahan's like, no, 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 go back in. You're just a decoy. Like It'll be okay. We just need them to think <laughs> you're getting the ball. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. I love that Terrell Davis pick. Uh I'm going to go with another guy who I didn't like at the time. I have a lot of quarterback hate is what I'm realizing as we do more and more of this podcast. I'm going to go with Kurt Warner as my next pick. Uh, I know that he uh, he had two wins, one with – did he have two wins? He uh, had one win. One win, and he won the MVP. Yep. He made it to two, only won once. His performances here, though – 414 yards passing in the Super Bowl, did 377 in another, and then 365 plus an MVP. If it's not for Tom Brady and the Patriots, that St. Louis Rams team might have been a little dynasty of their own, and they could have kept rolling on some things. I really respect Kurt Warner and what he's able to do. A Hall of Famer for sure. Played for so long after getting such a late start. Dude balled out and was really a big centerpiece of that Rams offense and then even carried it on to the Cardinals later in his career. So I swear to God, he was next on my list because you're right. He made three Super Bowls and people like, let's remember he had that gap where he went to the Giants and started and then they drafted Eli Manning and he kind of got kicked out of there. And then he goes to the Cardinals and just resurrects his career, takes them to a Super Bowl, and, and unfortunately couldn't get over the hump there. But, man, he did um, until Tom Brady. The fact that he was putting up 400 yards in a Super Bowl was just like that shit didn't happen. And and now, obviously, uh, Tom Brady's done insane things. So he's up there. Next to my list, someone I never got to see play. Um, he, he retired, I think, maybe the year I was born. But Terry Bradshaw, uh, everyone will always think about that great 70s Steelers team, the dynasty of the 70s, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they give credit to the defense, rightly so. It was a great defense. But here, it w- this will always be my take, that the Lynn Swan was not that good of a receiver. Terry Bradshaw made those guys look like freaking studs. So, like, I get it, Lynn Swan. Like, you got that great catch that we all watched growing up. But I have to give credit to Terry Bradshaw for managing that team. And they had John Stallworth as well. They had Franco Harris. They had a great team. But he Bradshaw put two of those teams on his back and led them to Super Bowl victories, uh, had an, two MVPs. And by the way, he was the first quarterback to win four Super Bowls and for a time had the record for most touchdowns in, in Super Bowls with nine of them. So if you're talking best careers, like you can say that maybe he wasn't the best quarterback of the 70s. I wasn't alive. I'm not going to argue with you about that, <laughs> but I know he is one of the best Super Bowl quarterbacks ever. Yeah, I'm with you too. Those old Steelers teams, I think you could put them up with the 49ers in the 80s, Cowboys in the 90s, the Patriots. Just they're going to be good till the end of time, probably, which is why I'm going to take another one of them. I got to keep our boys, Dan Barnes and Anta Oreo happy. Adam Vinatieri is clutch in the Super Bowl. The dude is second all time in points, only behind Jerry Rice, and he hit two game winners. If it's not for him, Tom Brady probably doesn't win his first Super Bowl. Maybe Adam Vinatieri is what's responsible for all these Patriots Super Bowl (laughs) wins. So I'm going to get a kicker on our list. 
I like it. I respect it. Um, he, I mean, he's the probably the greatest kicker of all time, right? And like you said, the fact that I think he's second all time in points, right? Behind Jerry Rice, if I yeah. remember right. Yep. And like, yeah, the, but also like his greatest kick was the snow kick that got them, that launched the Patriots dynasty. So I like it. Um, and then he's won four Super Bowls, right? That's crazy. Yeah. And I he has, is he retiring? No, he's playing one more year. Yeah. So maybe even the Colts can get one next year for him. Yeah, uh, man, that would be awesome. He's like 43 years old or something. It's it's ridiculous. All right, next on my list, you knew I was going to do this, and I respect the hell out of you for not taking him from me. I'm putting Steve Young on here. I And I am being a bit of a homer because he only won one Super Bowl, but he's, he threw six touchdown passes in that Super Bowl. And had it not been for injuries, I do believe they would have won a couple more. They also ran into some very good Dallas teams in the mid-'90s. Like We were talking about that Niners-Chargers game. I can remember being 10 years old and thinking, okay, the NFC championship game was the Super Bowl. Like I was nervous as hell for that game. And then it was like, okay, well, we just got to play the Chargers. No big deal. Like <laughs> that'll be fine. Like, and we we won. It's cool. But Steve Young, one of the greatest players of all time, in my opinion, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. There's a you can get into some serious fights with Niners fans about was it Montana, was it Young? Steve Young also filled in when Montana was hurt in some of those years and, and helped propel them to playoff runs to Super Bowls. So I think Young, uh, the, the fact that he has two rings as Montana's backup and one as his own makes him one of the best Super Bowl players of all time. Yeah, I definitely let you have that one because I could have Thank taken you. him, uh, but I didn't. But I am going to add one more guy to our list who was a 49er, and he is also the record holder for most sacks in a Super Bowl. He has four and a half sacks in a Super Bowl. He has five Super Bowl wins, and he is crazy as shit. I'm putting <laughs> Charles Haley on our list. He got a couple with the 49ers. He got a couple with the Cowboys. He holds the record for sacks in a Super Bowl. So until somebody can get past four and a half, man, I'm going to put Charles Haley on this list. Yeah, and five Super Bowl rings. So he and Brady are currently tied. It's he is one of the craziest people in NFL history. And I've I promised some guys if they would ask me in Mobile, I would tell my Charles Haley stories, and no one did. Uh, our guy Jeremy Percy texted me after, and it was like I forgot to ask you about Charles Haley. I will never tell those stories on the podcast. It doesn't matter. It could be our last podcast. <laughs> Won't do it. So you have to ask me in person. We might get banned from like iTunes if you tell the Charles Haley stories on the podcast. Probably so. They're great stories for in person because there's there's gestures that are involved with them. And it, it, <laughs> he, but he is he was great. I mean, he made that elephant pass rusher position uh, as an outside linebacker in the Niners scheme. What it is today, I think a lot of the guys that came after him. Uh, you know, as that big, powerful outside pass rusher, owe it to Charles Haley, who, like you said, man, four and a half in the Super Bowl. It's amazing. Um, and the consistency, it seemed like anywhere he went, that team was winning a Super Bowl throughout the 90s. Guys, we've been promising you a ton of really cool prospect interviews throughout draft season. And we're excited to have one of our favorite players in the draft. I think the best small school player in the draft is Dear Adderley. We just saw you down at Mobile, man, where you had, I, I think, a very good week showing off your versatility. But Thanks for coming on the podcast and talking with us. Oh, yeah, sure thing. I appreciate the time. Yeah, so one of the, the biggest things that, that that has always stood out about you is your versatility. And I, I think maybe throughout this draft process of your senior season, a lot of people are, have maybe overlooked you early because you are coming out of a school like Delaware. How much do you feel like that has, has affected your perception as, you know, maybe a first-round pick, maybe a top-50 pick, uh, where we are now in January as far as where we were in, like, September, October? Yeah, I mean, 
Uh, I mean, that's something I got asked a lot during my time, especially at the Senior Bowl and any other interviews I did. Just coming from a small school, um, I know the big knock on me may be, oh, how would he do against, uh, like, better competition, I guess. And um, I knew I just had to... I just had to apply myself, and then I had to be a difference maker um, on the field. So that's something I look to do, and I try to just improve each day. Yeah, and that throughout the process, like the Senior Bowl is a grind. I don't, I don't know how many people realize that. Like, you know, if you don't go down there every year, uh, you don't realize just how hard it is to to go throughout the week. How was that process for you? Of like, you get in on Sunday or Monday, and you are kind of immediately put through this car wash of weigh in interviews, practices. How tough was that? Oh man, I mean, it was a lot, um, but I mean, it was it was a great experience. Um, it was a lot in terms of just the interviews, with, um, informal meetings, formal meetings, um, psychological testing. Um, but that stuff is going to help us come to combine, so we might not have to do um, as much as maybe the other process we had to do. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely the practices. Practices were tough. Uh, we were getting after it pretty good. And I mean, but all in all, it was a really good experience and I'm extremely happy to have the opportunity. Yeah. And I actually uh, was talking to Jim Nagy, the executive director, and I don't know that you and I are talking on a Tuesday. I don't know if this is out there yet, but you, you battled through an injury, man. And like, didn't complain, didn't say anything. And now like we know that you had to play through an ankle injury. Number one, why are you doing that? And number two, how tough was that, man? Um, I mean, well, I'm I'm a competitor, and I mean, er- everyone that knows me, uh, it's, it's hard for me to sit out of anything. And I mean, this is something like I I wanted to make the most of my opportunity, and I knew um, it would be really beneficial. Um, so I mean, yeah, it, it happened during the season. Got an MRI after um, after the year. It was, it was pretty bad, a grade three um, ankle sprain. So I mean, I've been getting really good treatment out of Exos. Um, leading up to the senior bowl, but it was still kind of nagging me during the week. But, I mean, I just fought through it. And, um, I mean, I just had the end goal in mind just how I wanted to improve my stock and just uh, prove to these coaches that I could do whatever is asked of me. Yeah, and how does that affect your combine training? Because, like you said, most people right now would be you would be learning basically how to run a 40 time. Like, you would be training like an Olympic athlete to – and in your case, you might be trying to bulk up a little bit, but how does that affect the, what you're doing now to get ready? Uh, I mean, so I mean, we just gotta be. Just, I just had to be cautious. Um, I wanted to be smart, just because, especially leading up to the Senior Bowl, I wanted to make sure I could put like the best foot forward as I could. And um, so, I mean, I really just been trying to be smart about it, but making sure I'm doing all the things I needed to do um, just to get ready for the Senior Bowl and the Combine, but. I plan to do, um, I'm looking to do everything at the combine. That's the goal. So I'm going to just be aggressive with my treatment uh, at Exos, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feel very confident. Do you have any predictions? Uh, because like a lot of your game is speed, and you're a very explosive athlete. Do you have any, any predictions for, you know, the, the events we're going to be looking at, three-cone, 40-time, broad jump? Uh, I mean, I, I, guess, I guess you all got to wait and see. I mean, I, I wanted to be a surprise. <laughs> And I wanted, I definitely, definitely wanted to be a surprise. Now, going back to what we talked about in the beginning, man, a lot of people love your versatility. When you were meeting with teams at the Senior Bowl, do you get the feeling that you're looked at as more of a corner, more of a safety, or more of a nickel where you could do a little bit of both? Yeah, so, um, I mean, primarily, um, a lot of the teams that I've talked to, it was all, like, free safety. But they definitely do value my versatility, whether, like, 
say a corner goes down, like they'll be able to plug me in, and uh, whether it's a nickel, because I actually, I actually played a lot of nickel um, during the week at the Senior Bowl, and I mean it, it was different, it was a little bit of adjustment at first, because um, I haven't done it in a while, especially um, playing a little bit of outside corner um, during like one on ones. So it was a little bit of adjustment, but I mean I just trusted the process, was trying to get better at my technique because I know the better I get at um, just trying to master each one of those positions, it's only going to help me. Now, I have to bring this up. One of my co-hosts who couldn't be on with me today, Mello, he has this his, this joke of his, he's going to take you grocery shopping and try to bulk you up a little bit. Is that something that you've thought about doing to try to, he calls it the mellow meal plan. Are, are you thinking about getting in on that, trying to, trying to is adding weight for the combine something you want to do or do you want to stay lean and explosive? No, um, I mean, I, I'm pretty good at putting on the right weight. So I, I'm definitely looking on to put a little bit of pounds. I'm going to be at least, I'm going to be at least 200 at the combine. Um, actually, leading up to the, Senior Bowl, I was actually around like 198, 199, and I actually played in the season during 200. But given like my ankle sprain, I was trying, I was being cautious and wasn't able to do everything that I wanted to as far as the lifting and stuff. But um, but, I mean, going forward, I'm definitely um, confident I'll be at least 200 by the combine. Now I have to ask you because it is Super Bowl week for a lot of us uh, covering this. It, who's the NFL player that you kind of look at and say, like, oh, man, that's my game. I want to be like that guy. Whether it's like some of my comparisons when I watch you, obviously Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. Um, you've got guys like Demarius Randall, who's had a great year for the Cleveland Browns. Is there somebody that stands out as the type of player that you think you could be? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I've been watching Earl Thomas all my life. And he's definitely someone I have a lot of respect for. Just I love the way he plays the game. Uh, he's a he's relentless. He's a just a pure playmaker, and he's a leader. Um, and that's something I definitely um, admire. And like I see a lot of similarities in my game with his. And that's someone I always look to mold my game after. Yeah, not a bad player to mold your game after. Like just the best free safety in football. That's a good, a uh, very good pick. Uh, we definitely appreciate your time, dude. Best of luck with the, the combine. We'll see you out there. Best of luck with the ankle injury. Hope everything turns out for the best. Cause, uh, we do all, all of us here at six football. Absolutely love your game, man. Thank you so much. It means a lot. I am once again, stuck in a hotel room with no beer, which I don't understand because there's room service. I have a mini fridge and there's like a pantry downstairs where I could just bring beer to my room, but I haven't done it. So no pop top on my side. Mellow, you probably definitely have one because i remember stocking the fridge with tall boy natty lights before i left for one of our trips that was probably four weeks ago so you might check the born on date on that puppy before you pop that top for sure but i'm in the office alone tonight and i don't drink when i'm alone i i can't do it it makes me feel like an alcoholic uh, i've only done it probably like twice in my entire life and so no tops for me right now either Wait, do you remember the night when you, uh, I think you were still married and you were like bored one night and you sat on your porch and drank a six pack and that deer walked up in your yard and you like live text me and dead Dan, like the process of this deer walking up in your front yard. Yeah. So that was like, uh, I think it was almost when I was getting divorced. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to kill like a six pack by myself. And that's when a six pack would do the trick for me. And it's, so I lived in town in Joplin, Missouri, not a huge place. Uh, but it's a city, I would say. I walk out on my porch drinking some beers, and this fucking deer walks up, like, <laughs> in my yard. It's like we had a moment, and I was a little drunk, and then there was a deer, and 
I don't know, special. I felt one with nature. Like that guy that's always going out and like talking to the deer and feeding them. I think he's called Brother Nature. That was like me before that. <laughs> Mellow nature. Uh, I love it. All right, here are our drafts on draft questions. I don't know where that came from. I love this question from Tyler Fornes. He sent two into us. The first one is he wanted us to do an MFK, and I told him we couldn't, just full <laughs> disclosure. But I told him we would happily rank things. So rank these potential sponsors, Casey's, Natty Light, and Boulevard. So uh, the best place in the world to eat, Casey's General Store, Natural Light, your beer of choice, and Boulevard, my beer of choice. So we're going to have different rankings on this. Yeah, and I'm actually going to go with the order that they were presented in, uh, which may come as a huge shock, big upset of the century here. I'm going Casey's number one, though. Uh, I've always said if I were ever a NASCAR driver, Casey's would have to sponsor my car. I think I spend more money at Casey's than I do on anything besides maybe rent and my children. I get my gas there. I get a lot of my meals there. I buy sunflower seeds, Slim Jims. They got it all at Casey's General Store, man. It's not just a gas station. And then obviously number two in a very close second is going to be Natty Light with Boulevard pulling in a distant, distant third. There are some boulevard that you like, though, right? Like the Casey Pills. Still not doing it for you, huh? Um, (laughs) Nope. No thanks. I love the people at Boulevard. And if we're going to be around some of them, I'll have some Casey Pills. I'm not going to buy it for myself, though. Well, we've never bought Boulevard beer. I don't think. Yeah, that's true. I, I agree with you that Casey's, like, if you guys are listening, we are in the Midwest. This is a Missouri podcast. We would love to be sponsored by you. They have the best pizza in the world. And I've, I've said before on this show, we did our top five gas stations. My son and I got into an argument. He was four years old, and we got in an argument. He says Casey's is a restaurant, not a gas station. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it, we, we talked about it. My daughters try to eat there. Like, if we get a pizza, they want to eat it at Casey's. And I'm like, no, I'm not to that level yeah like i'll gladly enjoy uh, your pizza right. at my you house you have to buy some scratchers tickets and, <laughs> yeah and sit there and eat your pizza and scratch your scratchers at the same time i would put boulevard second i actually when, when this podcast started uh almost two years ago i did not like natty light and i hadn't had it since uh you and i lived together in our early 20s but i came around on it because of you honestly we could never agree on like a light beer to day drink with or tailgate with we'd always have to buy bud light and coors light and it was just it was a mess then we go to iowa city we go to a hawkeyes game and it's really hot outside we're getting sunburnt we walk to a liquor store we get some natty light i got some bud heavies and they were skunked so i'm like ah shit i don't have anything to drink and you're like just drink a natty light and I, I think we like crushed a 30 pack, three of us that day, and then had the night of our lives in Iowa City. So I, I people always say, like, how can you drink Natty Light? Well, because I like it. Like, it's, I can't drink IPAs. You guys can. I don't give you shit for it. Just drink what you like. I don't care. Oh, that's my take completely on every beer. Like, there are a lot of beers that I just, I don't like. I'm not like a beer guy. So a lot of people always talk about like their craft beer that they drink, their IPAs. You and I don't have those conversations because there are about four beers that I actually like and will drink. And other than that, I'm just drinking it to get drunk. Really, that's my thing. One's a Natty Light, one's a Bud Light. (laughs) Exactly. Those are (laughs) one A and one B for me. 
All right, second question from Tyler. Is Easton Stick getting typecast being from North Dakota State? Having lived in Fargo for a while and watched a lot of his games, his traits don't jump off the screen for me. Average accuracy and deep ball, but he does excel running the ball. Is a lot of his love from scouts because of Carson Wentz's success. So, Tyler, I want to tell you right now, buddy, there's not a lot of love for Easton Stick. Uh, there's not. He wasn't invited to the Senior Bowl. He went to the Shrine game and really got overshadowed by Brett Rippon. He just, he's an okay day three quarterback prospect. I am working on a seven round mock draft that'll come out Monday morning. I'll be surprised if he makes it just if you think about the 135 juniors that declared right plus all the good seniors, it it gets harder for low level guys like that to make it. I could see him being an undrafted free agent. I, I, I could see him not invited to the combine. Honestly, it's just I think there's more myth about him because of North Dakota State and he won a lot of ball games there. Hell of a lot of ball games as a true freshman had to come in when Carson Wentz got hurt, played very well. But I think he's just a good college quarterback and nothing more than that. Yeah, and I think you're right, too. I think a lot of it played into the fact that he is from North Dakota State and a lot of people probably wanted him to be something that maybe he wasn't. We wanted a quarterback to come out of this class and and do something special, but. Really, we didn't see any good traits from him. He's just kind of an average quarterback. You said he might not even be a guy who's drafted, and that's to his be expected coming out of North Dakota State. I love the program. I love what they do. I know they have a great fan base, but you're still in that FCS level. You're not really churning out a whole lot of NFL prospects. Yeah, and I like the running back Bruce Anderson more. Uh, if we're if, like, if you wanted me to compare them as prospects, uh, a Rosenblum thirteen. Draft on draft question. Are there any size concerns with Kyler Murray? You hear a lot of those with Trace McSorley, but Kyler is two inches shorter and 10 pounds lighter than him. So there are size concerns. I think we bring it up almost every episode. You definitely did earlier with Kyler Murray. I think the difference is, and we ran into this a lot last year because uh, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen were the exact same size, same height, same weight. But you can look at those two guys until they're built differently. So some of that is, when we talk about body typing guys, when it comes to scouting, you, you that's why you don't just say, oh, he's 6'3", 230. Like, you have to talk about, okay, he's 6'3", 230, but, you know, he has a stout build or he has broad shoulders or oh, he has a lean frame. Some people carry weight differently, so I think that's important to note. I, I've seen uh, both these guys in person. Trace McSorley is just so narrow and not explosively built. I think Kyler Murray is a little more compact, I don't know what he weighs. I've asked so many people for an exact weight on him and no one's given me one. So I will be anxious to see if he shows up to the scouting combine. I'll be anxious to see what he actually does weigh, but it it is always a concern. I I think I said it on the Wednesday show with Kyler. He's so short. He's hard to get a hat on. He's just hard to hit. We saw that the two times Texas played them, but I, I think with McSorley, if he had Kyler's explosive athletic traits and arm strength, we would be making some excuses for his size that just aren't there because his arm's not very good. Yeah, and I think with Kyler Murray, his only concern is his size. Uh, And will he actually play football? If you take those two things out of the equation, I don't think there's a whole lot to be concerned about. Uh, Off-field sounds like it's fine. He has no concerns. It's not like he was tackled by some policemen in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So other than the height and weight issues, I don't know what there is to be concerned about with his game. Yeah, I, I don't either. Accuracy is there. I don't know that he sees the field quite as well as Baker did, but he definitely has a lot of very exciting traits. 
And Nick Elfman wants to know, how much does college production versus athletic potential go into the evaluation of a player? For example, this year with Rashawn Gary, who will test among the best at the combine versus a player such as Jalen Ferguson or Cleveland Farrell. Uh, I know for me, Mello, it's all about the production has to come with traits. I've seen guys in college. Uh, you remember Michael Sam at Missouri, who was like the SEC defensive player of the year. Who could had a forget ton of production. Him. Right, but was not a good athlete. He was he was incredibly stiff. He was slow. And when you watch the tape, you're like, man, this dude's production came against bad teams or his production came on place where he was unblocked because the rest of that Mizzou D-line was pretty good. So I, I think that's why you can't get caught only looking at production or only looking at the combine. Like you have to put those two things together for context to really get a feel for how good the player actually is. It's like a series of checks and balances. Like you're going to check both of them to make sure what you're seeing is real or what you're seeing matches the production that you saw because college coaches are very good. They can scheme a player to get uh, 10 sacks. And maybe that's what they do. That's kind of their specialty thing. But you want to make sure, like you said, that they have the traits that they can be that in the NFL, that it wasn't just, okay, here's a college guy. We're going to let him do his thing and kind of run rampant. Guys like Nick Saban at Alabama, there's usually not a whole lot of production because everybody's playing, so you really got to look at their traits. Like your guy, Josh Jacobs, not hardly any production. They're actually running backs on his team with a lot more production. There are not a whole lot of guys that can do what he does athletically. And I think with Rashawn Gary, that's where it comes in. Like You need the context to have, okay, he was hurt this year. And then look at what Michigan asked him to do. I was talking to our guy Dalton Miller on, on Twitter about this. Of like, He tweeted, okay, what game do I need to watch? to see Rashawn Gary, why he's a top five pick. I don't know if there is one. Like, you're not going to get that, you know, Jadavian Clowney killing the kid from Michigan. Like, you're not going to get that play where you're like, oh, shit. It's more about, okay, what what he does athletically. And then what Michigan asked him to do at times just wasn't conducive to his skill set. So um, I, I like him a lot as a prospect. I know teams do as well. I, I think he'll be a top five pick unless we see, you know, crazy trades for quarterbacks up to two and three. And I think it's crazy that, his body is not done developing. I've said it a million times, it sounds like, but he is really, we have not seen a finished product from Rashawn Gary yet. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. I, did he get better at Michigan? Like, I don't know if he did. Honestly, he, like, I don't like, know if he did. Right? Like, I, he's that guy. I've seen his recruiting tape. I think that's who he was when he came in. Uh, uh, Jonathan Frame, a lot of Kyler Murray questions tonight. I know that makes you happy, Mello. As a Skins fan, the Kyler Murray situation seems somewhat possible. Playing the comparison game, how does, how does Kyler compare to J Johnny Manziel? Leave out off the field because clearly there's no comparison there. So I don't see it. Uh, Manziel was just reckless on the field as well. I mean, some of his greatest plays, like think back to that Alabama game where he does like five pirouettes and loses like 30 yards and then chucks the ball up to Mike Evans. Like that's not an NFL type throw. And I think Kyler Murray did a better job of playing within the pocket and staying within the framework of the offense. But you can't talk about Johnny Manziel and not talk about the off field because part of the off field, it wasn't just the drinking and the drugs. It was that he didn't practice hard and he didn't study his playbook. Like he didn't put in the work. And I think that's where when we get into this process with Kyler Murray, and everything I've heard so far is very positive, but that's the stuff you got to find out of like, okay, you know, maybe he has one foot in baseball, one foot in football. How hard does he want to work? How much is he dedicated to one sport to where, because you're going to face adversity the first time that he has a bad game and throws a couple picks, is he going to be thinking about baseball or is he truly like we've talked to Patrick Mahomes about like, Hey, I picked football and I, I played football now. 
Yeah, and if you talk about bringing it back to Johnny Manziel, you're right. A lot of what Johnny Manziel did would have been great on the field. It all comes back to the off the field, and that's what separates these guys. I think you could lump Kyler Murray, Johnny Manziel, and Baker Mayfield into a very similar category. They all played the game fairly well, had a lot of the same traits. Two of those guys, I think, are going to work their ass off and be NFL quarterbacks. One is struggling in the CFL, and it's I think goes back to figuring out what is it that you really want to do. Do you want to come to the NFL? You want to be a football player? Well, that's a lot of work. You got to be willing to put in that work or you're going to flame out in a couple of years and you're going to go back on that uh, Browns jersey that has about 20 quarterbacks on the back of it. I tell you one thing, this is off topic, but one thing that I always want to see with quarterback prospects is how they handle adversity. And like for Russell Wilson, like transferring from NC State, going to Wisconsin, you know, being a shorter guy that a lot of people doubted. He has a chip on his shoulder and he had to handle adversity and it's it's fueled him. And I think with Kyler Murray to some extent, and I hope this is the case with him, you know, he played at Texas A&M and was not good at all lost his job there and and, you know it was like okay maybe he should just go play baseball then he resurfaces at OU and has a fantastic year I hope he has that same drive of you know what they didn't want me at A&M and look what they missed out on and I'm going to prove to every one of those fuckers that I was the quarterback that could have turned things around there so hopefully he has that you know Tom Brady Michael Jordan chip on his shoulder because I really think to play quarterback in the NFL, you have to have handled some kind of adversity and and overcome it to because you're going to handle it immediately. It's going to be laid on your lap. Oh, definitely. And I think a lot of that goes back to their baseball background. I think baseball is one of the hardest sports to play. I think hitting a baseball is one of the hardest things that you can do in sports. If you are very good at doing it, you do it 30% of the time. So I think guys like Pat Mahomes and Russell Wilson I know it's kind of a cliche and people are sick of hearing about it, but that baseball background really helps because in baseball, you are going to fail more times than not. You are going to get out when you are at the bat. And so I think that does kind of carry over with these guys and they are able to take that adversity like you talked about and move on with it and build off of it and reflect. Yeah. When you're bad, 70% of the time in baseball, you're still pretty good. (laughs) So it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Uncle Lewis adds here and I like it when you guys butter us up a little bit. Your podcast is appointment listening for me. Love what you guys are doing. Which players in this class could the Browns target to help shut down Lamar Jackson's running threat going forward? Man, I tell you, I would just sell out and make him throw. Like, yeah. I don't know that you need to. Like, you, I don't know that you need to add Devin White to run down Lamar Jackson. No, I like, would just play zone up front, and make him throw. And you look at all the prospects that we could name. For like, okay, go get this guy, like Devin White, Nasir Adderley. Know that we had on the podcast, some other guys. I don't know that they're going to be there for them to pick. Uh, I think they just address the offense, do what the Chiefs are doing, just go outscore everybody. Who cares? I don't think Lamar Jackson can put up that many points against you and then just match him with speed. Try to get the fastest defense you can. But I don't know that Lamar Jackson is going to be a big, your biggest threat. I still think maybe you worry about those Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. And I like, I'm looking at the Browns depth chart. It's pretty good. Like Joe Schobert's a good linebacker. Like, and, and Jamie Collins might be gone next year, but I don't know that you want to draft a, a linebacker at 17 because Devin White's probably going to be gone. I don't know that you would draft Devin Bush there necessarily. Uh, and they have Christian Kirksey coming back off injury. So like yeah. they're pretty good at linebacker. And at safety, you have Jabril Peppers and Demarius Randall. So if you're going to go defense, you're going corner. And all that does is shut down the the worst part of Lamar Jackson's game, which is the throwing side of things. So you could go that route, but... 
I'm with you, Melo. If I'm the Browns, like I'm drafting a left tackle and then I'm coming back around two and getting a corner or another wide receiver. And I would go with this of like, you know what? We got a pretty good fucking offense. Let's just outscore people because that's where the game's going right now anyway. Yeah, I mean, I forgot to mention they were my Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, it's working for them all right. Look at the Rams. I mean, their defense is great. They give up a lot of points, but it's I think it's more about creating turnovers on defense because of the way that the NFL and the rules are, you're going to score points. It's just trying to capitalize on turnovers and turn those into points for your offense. Yep. Last question tonight. Sports Sim, would the Giants be a good fit for Kyler Murray if he does pick football for sure? I highly doubt they would draft him, but I think he's the only quarterback I would want from this year's class. Maybe Haskins. Thank you. So I think I put this one in here. One more Kyler Murray question because I'm actually interested in this. The Giants are one of those teams that they're very old school. You know, you got the, you still got like the Bill Parcells, Ernie Corsi type thinking in this front office. Would they draft a quarterback, either Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins, who was a one-year starter in college? I honestly think, like, I'm not saying that it should be Drew Locke or it should be Daniel Jones, but this is a front office that's very traditional. And if you'll remember, one of Bill Parcell's rules for drafting quarterbacks was a three-year starter. And so if they're still going to subscribe to that philosophy, then I think it becomes a Drew Locke or Daniel Jones landing spot. Now, We'll see what happens with Dave Gettleman there. I know Kevin Abram is doing a lot in terms of scouting and preparing for the draft. So I I don't know exactly what their philosophy will be, but those two guys came up under Ernie Accorsi. They they subscribe to that that type of thinking. So will they break the mold and go after uh, a one-year starter at quarterback? I I don't know if they actually will. And I I would almost be careful about what kind of personality at quarterback you're going to pair up with guys like Saquon Barkley and, of course, Odell Beckham. They're very like outspoken, flashy guys. I think you almost need a guy in that locker room like Eli Manning, a guy that isn't always up in front of everybody like Baker Mayfield. I think if you put Baker Mayfield in that locker room, it honestly might just be too much. And they're all great players, but I just I don't know what kind of personality you're going to want to pair with those kind of guys. Yeah, I, that is so huge. I, I know last year, uh, you know, listening to the Giants and the Jets, they would talk so much about how how important it was to make sure they got the off field right with these guys, because, you know, was a Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen going to be able to handle New York. And I think that's a big part of the reason why the jets loved Sam Darnold, because he's kind of even keeled, you know, like he's going to be cool with whatever it comes his way. He's going to be poised and be able to handle it. Kind of like Jared Goff is honestly. So uh, that's a great question. We should just, this was the Kyler Murray episode basically is, is my takeaway from this week. Oh, Oh yes, for sure. And, I mean, we still have a lot of great things going later. I'm very excited about getting to the Combine. As you said, we're on to Indy. Yeah, we are, man. And it's going to be a blast. Make sure you guys get out there. It's Saturday, March 3rd. Um, There will be a link coming out very soon where you can uh, reserve your ticket. We want to know how many of you are going to be there, basically. So uh, if you're going to be there, please RSVP. It helps us out a lot. Um, We are going to have a blast. It's going to be a great time. And then if you can't make Indy and you can make Nashville, let's do it. We're going to have tailgate tour information coming out uh, very soon is our plan. We actually have the dates picked. We're just waiting for some approval. So we're excited about everything that's going on. Very excited about the show that we're going to have coming out for you Monday morning. Me, Mello, Connor back together. I'll be home in Joplin. It's going to be amazing. We'll talk to you guys Monday morning. Make sure you subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your shows. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Stick to Football.